Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. Tonight's episode is episode five. And we have a bit of a change in our schedule. We were going to be talking about how to get into treatment and the world of rehab. But here at Sober Solutions Podcast, we want to be authentic as we possibly can and really talk about life events as they happen or as close to as they happen as possible. And tonight we're switching gears and and we're going to be talking about relapse and how relapse is part of recovery and how relapse affects each one of us and the people around us. And so we will start talking a little bit about this. And after the episode, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, Jason, um, the topic of relapse has not been a part of my personal story in the sense that I have not yet experienced relapse, but I uh, recently had somebody close to me uh, go through a relapse and uh, I'm, I'm dealing with it. Uh, you know, so if I, if I come off uh, a little, uh, I don't want to say flustered, but I'm, I'm still processing it. And, you know, we, we experienced uh, relapse together uh, with, you know, individuals that we were in rehab with, and um, you know, it, it it it's it's a difficult thing to experience your very first time around, and that was that was a pretty shocking thing for me. And having been in the rooms for a while, I I had seen people go out. Uh, and seeing people come back and to have somebody close to you go out it's jarring but i think the thing that i'm taking away the most from it is that if you're in the room long enough you're going to see i think it's just simple math if you if you if you are in the room long enough if you're going to meet more people the more people that you meet, the higher likelihood you're going to experience either your own relapse or someone else's relapse. And it's going to have that effect on you. And so just because it hasn't, I haven't personally relapsed, doesn't mean that this thing doesn't touch us. And the thing that I keep going back to is that we can't want anybody else's sobriety for ourselves. It's simply not the way it works. This is an individual thing in the sense that you can only want your own sobriety. We can be of as much service as possible, but that's the extent to which it goes. The thing that allows us to do that, and in this particular case, what I find myself in the midst of is the only way I can be of service is to stay sober and not just be sober, but to work even harder now and realize that, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times, the whole, all the cliches about 
that, that they're all true. Well, yeah, this thing is in the parking lot doing push-ups and all that crap. It's not crap. It's, it's, it's the truth. This thing never, ever goes away. And it's, it, 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 for me, it's a testament. It, it actually, the most, the most jarring thing for me was um, driving home from the hospital and I was driving through New Brunswick and there were liquor stores and bars all over the place. And my very first thought was I could stop at any one of these places and no one would ever know. And I could pick up and no one would ever know. And that was my very first thought. And I didn't want that to be my first thought. It wasn't like I was hoping that would be, that is, that is what we talk about when we say we're not in control of the first thought. I'm not in control of my first thought. And my first thought was that. But I am in control of my second thought and I am in control of my third thought. And my second thought was I did not come this far to only come this far. I didn't work this hard to only work this hard. Yes, the truth is that I could have engaged in my first thought. And then I would be then I, then I would be right back to square one. So it's been a, it's been an interesting time. Let's put it that way. But, um, you know, the thing that, the thing that I've done or the things that I've done is very simple. I've listened to what people have told me to do. I got closer to my program. I got, I called my sponsor. I called you guys. I talked to my therapist about it. I shared about it in meetings. I did all of the things that I was told to do. And the very first thing that my sponsor said when I called it, he said, well, we know this happens. And that's the way he's treated me this entire time. For Quite matter of fact, because at the end of the day, this is a very matter of fact disease. And this is a this is a part of it. And I think when we have the discussions about whether we should talk about this or not, I think it's important that we talk about it because I'm not the first person to experience someone close going going out in this fashion. You guys have experienced it at some level. Every if you're again, if you're in the room long enough, you you will experience this. So I think it's important that, that you know, listeners understand that you can go through recovery, you can be in recovery, you can experience someone go out and you don't have to pick up. You don't have to pick up. It, it doesn't, that, that doesn't solve anything. And, and so that's, that's, that's where I am right now. Um, but I, I, I think it's important that, that we got on here tonight and, and have this conversation out loud in a pretty frank manner because it doesn't do us any good to pretend like these things don't exist. Thank you, Ben, for sharing that. And I know that you must be swimming in a sea of emotion right now. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're feeling and what kind of emotions you're going through? Yeah, the, the emotions are conflicting because there is, there's fear, there's worry, there's concern, 
for for someone really close to me. And I think the thing that I've been trying to balance here is making sure that I'm keeping my program going. But the reality that this has happened is pretty terrifying. Um, I, th there's a part of me that might still be in shock from it all, to be honest. Like, it, it, there, there is so much to process, but the, you know, and like I, I said, that, you know, in the, in that, that open, you know, I absolutely thought about drinking. And I, I thought about drinking because it was a tool in my toolbox. It used to be the only tool in my toolbox. That's not the case today, but it didn't stop me from thinking that. And that's the scary part is because when you see somebody who's trying to recover and they're not trying, none of us are trying to relapse. It's the, those little thoughts that really scare the hell out of me. This, because that is how it would start. If I don't have a defense against that first thought, then I'm opening myself up to the possibility that I will relapse. And that is why we call it again. And so emotionally, it's, it's been all over the place. It's been absolutely all over the place. And I appreciate you guys you know, pushing me to be honest about this because it is very, it, it's confusing. It's, it's just confusing. And the fear is something that I really think I'm trying to wall out right now. Just trying to just keep it at bay. And if I keep moving my program forward, if I keep trying to be of service, then I can keep fear at bay. In my, and that's how I'm thinking in my own head. And it, I think it's going to work for today. And I, and if it does, and, and, and it might work for tomorrow, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, well, I acknowledge you for feeling those feelings. You know, the there's a saying out there that says sobriety lets us feel our feelings again, which is both good and bad. Um, but I want to go back to you were talking about how you were driving home from the hospital and that thought of I want to drink. What stopped you from going to the liquor store? Oh, my second, my second thought, which was my, my second thought was, and third thought was some version of one, don't be a jackass. Like, because that's, that's what that is. You know, for me thinking that I can solve this because that's what I would be doing. If I went to the liquor store, I was, I would be taking my will back and trying to solve it the way I used to solve problems. So it was the first thought. The second thought was, do not be stupid. And the third thought was, 
I just did not work this hard so I could only work this hard. I, I put everything that I have into this program and it's been, it has been, it's been a, a struggle at times because I've had to explain or I felt that I've had to explain to people that my program and my recovery has to come before everything. It has to come before my daughters. It has to come before my family. It has to come before my friends, my relationships, my job. It has to come before everything. And early on, I didn't know what that looked like. I, I wasn't sure what putting it ahead of everything else is. And, and so now it's, it, it's, I just, I know how hard I've worked to get this far and I don't want to die from this. So if I don't want to die from this, I can't, I cannot stop working today. And the second that I would pull into that parking lot, it's over. It's not even a matter of, it's not even a matter of walking into the liquor store. If I decided to pull into the parking lot, it's over. And at this point, the hard work, my, my faith in my higher power, it never even let me think about turning the wheel. That's great, Ben. That's great. And I, I want to acknowledge you for uh, just being real and authentic tonight. You know how difficult that is. Um, and so, you know, Chris, I'm going to pivot to you now. Um, you know, we, we heard Ben's story about uh, relapse with a close loved one. Um, but talk to us a little bit about relapse from yourself, from your point of view. Yeah. First, I'd like to emulate what um, Jason said, Ben. I'm personally, I'm very glad that I love that you're part of my support network and you're one of my closest friends. And I'm thankful that you trust us enough to reach out to us when this happens. So, you know, we're always here for you. And I, I'm just, I'm just glad that you're a part of my life right now. Um, relapse. <laughs> You know, I mentioned on, I think, the second episode that I've been trying to get clean for five years now. I think it's been five or six years. And, you know, I can go into specific relapses. Uh, you know, I was clean for a while after uh, rehab the first time. I think what I'd like to really discuss most is how relapse has affected the people around me. Um, it's affected me uh, emotionally, physically, financially, um, educationally with my job. It's affected me. It's affected me in all aspects of my life. But what really, I think, gets my gut turned is how it's affected uh, my wife and my family. And I've been married for over five years now. I have two kids. Um, we're slowly getting better. But for our entire marriage, I basically have used or even if I was clean, I wasn't working a program until recently. Um, and it's definitely changed her. Um, she used to be easygoing, fun, loving. 
And the addiction has really trans, you know, she has that codependency. She has that addiction affecting her and she's an amazing person, but no matter who you are and how amazing you are, if you're around this long enough, those negative behaviors will transfer to you. And unless, I don't want to say unless she works a program because she goes to a therapist and she uh, is trying her best to work through those things, but it's really taken a step back in our marriage and we are trying our best to make it work right now. Uh, both of us, we do a lot of therapy. We try doing what's called Gottman therapy and we do some other things which are, you know, more private that we won't go into, but yeah. And besides my wife, you know, I, I went to rehab this time and last time for a lot of external reasons. I really just didn't want to be that piece of shit father. I wanted to be the best father I could. And when I got out, even after I got out of this last stint at rehab, I relapsed in November. Um, one thing I can say is since then I've been working my butt off and it has caused me to even to get so much closer with my kids. You know, Ben brought up a good point before about when people say, well, you have kids or can't you just get clean for them? It's a disease. And honestly, when you're not working some program, it's all you think about. And it doesn't matter if, you know, you're married, have kids. It doesn't matter what the reasons are. Your addiction comes first unless you start working a program properly. I've lost four jobs in the past due to relapses. Um, I'm on my fourth, sorry, I've lost three jobs. I'm on my fourth job. My family, I feel like I've personally let them down. Uh, you know, my family always used to come to me for to fix things, to help out with things. And I slowly got phased out of that I've noticed because of my addiction. Now my family loves me and they will keep loving me. However, I feel like I've personally let them down. You know, I was thinking about what, how you notice you're about to relapse. And I think the, the main thing that I could take away is my pride. I, I relapse when I think that I could beat the disease. It's the, it's the ego behind it. You know, I'm smarter than that disease. I'm, uh, I can, I can outwit it. I could just do one and then take a week off or just do this and, you know, not do this. And I'm basically just fooling myself every single time. That is the biggest reason that I've relapsed almost every other time in the past. I've shared last time when I relapsed, I was going to sell them and go play poker. Well, that was me fooling myself and me having this ego that I could be around this drug and not take it. And that's absolutely insanity. So Jason, I'd like to switch to you about, um, you know, you're sponsoring people. You have a sponsor. Let's talk about, uh, you know, your sponsees. Yeah. So I, I can talk a little bit about um, relapse as it relates to sponsorship. Um, and, you know, I, I qualify for this because just just like yourself, and, and I've said this in previous episodes, that 
relapse is a big part of my story. Um, I have uh, a little over eight and a half months, almost nine months coming up on the 27th. Um, but it's taken me 10 years to get there. And, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with, with both of what you were saying as it relates to the emotions around it, the feeling around it, letting down my family, letting down my partner, letting down my spouse. Um, and, and, and for me, it got harder and harder and harder to come back into the rooms after every single relapse. And I know, I can tell you this tonight, that I have one more relapse in me, but I don't have another recovery in me because I drank and drugged myself so hard that if I go back out, I won't be coming back. And that scares me, that, that frightens me. And it's at, at first when I started my program this time, I was frightened. And it was the fear that got me to do the steps and got me into rehab. Now, the joy of the program, the joy of the promises is so much easier to keep for me than going back out and trying to do this all over again. And, you know, over the last nine months, I, I've had a sponsee relapse. Um, and unfortunately, it was because he wasn't ready to do the work. Um, you know, it was nothing other than that because we all are dealing with the same demons and the ability to work the steps and how hard you work the steps has a direct correlation to the rate of relapse. Unfortunately, you know, I don't know specific figures, but there's a very low uh, a success rate in recovery. Relapse is real. Relapse is a part of recovery. And the more that we acknowledge that, and the more that we are able to have that as part of our program and know that we're just one drink or one drug away, the better we are at fighting it. And that's why I'm, I'm big on telling my sponsees that you know, you don't have to say, oh, my, my program's at the begin at, at the forefront of my life. And, you know, it's my number one thing and being all, all strong about that. But as long as your sobriety is woven into each one of your decisions is what I tell them, because we have to look at it as if I have a decision in front of me, if I choose A or I choose B, which one's taking me closer to a drink or a drug? or which one's taking me further away from a drink or a drug. And it's that decision that either keeps us sober or takes us out. And I know personally for me, I used to drink at people. I used to drink at circumstances. You know, I, I would get a job, I would drink and celebrate. I would get fired from a job, I would drink in, in disgust and anger and sadness. I would get a boyfriend or I would lose a boyfriend. I would get an apartment or I would lose an apartment. I would get a new car or I would crash a car. It didn't matter for me whether it was I was happy or sad. I could drink at anything. And if I don't replace that idea of relapse, which is a reality for me, 
I'm an alcoholic and an addict. So I am as close to relapse as anyone out there. The difference for me is that I'm working my program and I'm making decisions in my life that keep me further away from that drink and that drug. You know what I'm hearing, Jason, is that drinking and drugging used to be the only tool in your toolbox. And today it's not. And the only way you build that toolbox is like you said, it, I same, same exact scenarios. Drank because I was happy, drank because I was sad. Didn't matter. I wasn't drinking because of the emotion. It was because I was drinking because I didn't want to feel the emotion, good or bad. It was the only tool in my toolbox. And one of your ideas was the only tool in yours. And it's only by putting in the work where we literally build that toolbox up. And that, and I think that's the thing that I am, it's not that I, I don't know if I didn't recognize it. I think, I, I feel like I knew this, but the tool of drinking and drugging never leaves us. It never leaves us because drinking and drugging is not the main issue. It's a symptom. It's, it's simply a symptom. As hard as I've worked this thing, as hard as I've tried my best, it didn't stop me from thinking that stopping at the liquor store was a good idea. It didn't stop me because I'm an addict. And, you know, one of the things that I've kind of thought about in this whole process is that for whatever reason, I, as an addict, think I'm taking, I thought I was taking the easy way out. I thought I was doing the easy thing by drinking. If I just suppress everything, I don't have to deal with it. And that's easier. It's easy to not deal with it. Except it made my life unbelievably hard to, you know, to Chris's point earlier about the strains of, you know, that it puts on your marriage. I, I, I felt that to the point where I got divorced and it was because I was mired in my own addiction because I was a selfish, selfish bastard. And, and this thing is with us the entire time. And for me, it is, it's about building that toolbox and covering it up with enough tools so that we have other options, not covering up so it goes away. Because now when I, have, I think I have a hard problem, I have other tools to use. And it turns out that using those other tools doesn't make the hard decisions go away. It makes dealing with them much, much easier than my brain told me they were going to, they were going to be things I couldn't handle. It turns out I, I can handle them. Yeah. I mean, listening to you guys, I just keep, I think before I just got a little emotional because of two things. One, I, took me back to like just watching my wife cry but more more immediately i feel like i don't have as strong of a program as you two if i'm being honest um i have a sponsor i go to therapy i go to iop but i feel like at this point you know, and I talk to you guys pretty frequently that I'm not where you are now. I've been relying on just not doing it today and it's been working and I make sure that I call people constantly. I mean, I think I call you guys like either you guys every day or every other day and I'm calling other people, but you know, I'm still on step three. 
like or I'm just finished step three, so I'm on step four. Um I relapsed more recently. I don't know. I just keep thinking back to that I'm not where you are. And that's also an ego thing. Like you guys are further ahead or you guys are this and I'm not that. And I know that I'm not supposed to compare, but it's just natural for me to do that. And, you know, I I remember Jason and I used to go at rehab always be like, you know, we have this pride and ego problem and I still have it and I'm still trying to get rid of it. And like, that's always the reason I relapse is because I have this short memory where I forget how bad it was. And then I'm like, you know what? I could, I could figure it out this time. And like, I don't want to get to that point. So I'm actually very thankful that even we are doing this, if whether we help one person, I know it's helping me. So I don't know. I just want to throw that out there. The, the thing that I'm, I'm hearing there, uh, Shares something my sponsor says he doesn't say character defects he says character defaults because it's what we default to and what i'm hearing from you chris is and i i love the honesty i love the honesty and, and your your character what i'm hearing is your character character default saying i i want to be where they are and but you also know that it's not about it it's not a comparison and these are the real life things that we struggle with. These are the real life mental battles and they may seem insignificant to other people, but these are the things that, that literally when, when we allow them, when, if I allow them to become reservations, if I, if, if I forget, I forget, I, I can never remember where this is in the, the, the 24 hours a day book, but the, best one I ever heard is the second that I forget that I'm an alcoholic, I begin to slip. And for me, that has stuck with me. Every other problem in my life does not matter if I have not addressed that I'm an alcoholic and that I have a problem. If I haven't addressed that main issue, then I cannot continue on to the rest of my day. Because the second I start to think that paying the rent or the cell phone bill, or my daughter's grades, or, you know, what, what a family member might think, or what a friend might have said. The second I think that that's more important than, than staying connected, living by the principles that I try to live by every day. The second that happens, I begin to slip. And, you know, I don't want, I don't for a second, you know, knock yourself down or, or cut your program short because you are an absolute inspiration to me, Jason Majors. You know, like, like you said, I, I would love it if somebody, anybody picked anything up from this. But if this ends up just being the four of us talking once a week, it's helping me stay sober. And yeah, I want to, I want to just echo that, Ben. You know, Chris, I, I think that um, another character default could be how hard you are on yourself. You know, the fact that you stayed sober today is the accomplishment. I think that whether you want to work your program harder or not depends on you and you get to make that choice. But I think that you're working it. You're working it to the best of your ability. And if you're not, you get to change it. And only you can answer that question. You know, like we said on episode zero, when we all introduced ourselves, We said, we all have different lives. 
my life is completely different from the rest of yours. And that means that our programs have to be different. And I might have the ability to be general chair of this and sponsor that. And, you know, maybe I didn't relapse this time, but that was because of my higher power. I had nothing to do with me. Because if I'm left to my own devices, my ass is out there drinking and drugging. But I worked the steps, I connected to a higher power, and my higher power is the one that got me sober this time. It wasn't me. So thank you, boys. I really appreciate your time tonight. I know that this was a really heavy topic. Um, I, I know that relapse is part of recovery and relapse is real. We are a we program. And no matter if you relapsed individually or if you know someone, even if you don't, relapse is part of this program. And if we are a true we program, we have all dealt with relapse. And sometimes there's people in the room that don't share that and they're struggling with it. And that's why I'm as empathetic as I possibly can be. So I hope you both have a great evening. Thank you so much uh, for your openness and honesty. And as always, this episode is dedicated to those still sick and suffering alcoholics and addicts in and out of the rooms, as well as the individual who picks up for the first time tonight. But really this episode tonight is especially dedicated to those who weren't lucky enough to come back from a relapse. Thanks so much and have a great night. Great night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.